My original sermon plan for this week was to be in the Old Testament, but uh, after hearing Matt's charge last week asking what we would give up or lose to share Jesus, I felt like it was time to dust off this old sermon. Um, this was an early sermon for me. I wrote it 20 years ago. Um, and I dusted off every once in a while. I look back through my records in the website and all my notes, my own personal notes, and I do not think that I have preached it here. If I have, I guess you're going to hear it again. Um, in my household, growing up, we loved to fish, but uh, we had a problem. No one wanted to clean the fish. Dad was too busy. He, he, worked, he worked a lot of hours, so when he did fishing, he fished and he was done. He had no time. Mom, uh, Mom thought lots of things were gross, and so she wouldn't clean the fish. So one or two things would always happen. We'd either throw the fish back or we'd give them to the Joneses. Um, we had a, a couple of custodian school I went to. Uh, when I was young, who they would eat any fish you brought to them. So we take them, we take them coolers of fish all the time. And they would, they would clean them and put them up and all those things. We know that uh, the Bible talks of Jesus' disciples being fishers of men, and as Christians, we should all strive to fish for men. But we also seem to have a little bit of a problem sometimes. Sometimes I think we're confused on what exactly the phrase means. Many times, we use metaphors, and they get jumbled in our minds, much like the little girl whose mother had a sore throat. All day long, the, the little girl, she's probably four or five, kept walking up behind her mother and pulling up her shirt. Mom swatted her leg. By the end of the day, Mom was just so frustrated. Mom, y'all probably been there, right? And frustrated. She turns around and she says, What are you doing? said, I'm looking for your tail. <laughs> Mom stopped you. She said, why are you looking for my tail? I don't have a tail. And she said, well, when you were on the phone with Daddy earlier, you said you were just a little horse. <laughs> she got confused. I took you a minute, didn't I? I'll get you there. In much the same way, Jesus tells his disciples of this unique prospect in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. It's one verse, one thing that he says to his first disciples as he's calling them there on the Sea of Galilee. And it's, it's very simple. He just says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, Bless this time. Make yourself known today. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake, and all God's people say. It's a simple statement, right? A simple command. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people, or I'll make you fishers of men. But have we lost our way in following this? This morning, I, I want to look at what it means to be fishers of men. I want to look at our role in bringing the lost of this world to Christ. And the question we have to ask is, how do you fish for men? Well, let's start with the very obvious. To be a fisher of people, 
You have to go fishing. I mean, right? If you're going to be a fisher of people, if you're going to be a fisher of men, you have to go fishing. You, you can't not do the work. Part of the issue here is too many of us don't do the work anymore. All Jesus' commands to his disciples are proactive. He says, go therefore to all nations. He says, suffer little children to come to me. Even with Judas, he said, go and do what you must. And over in the New Testament, we still see these trends. Put on the full armor of God. Several other writers tell us to put away the old nature. Many Christians today have become so timid that we've quit fishing. We're scared of hearing maybe the word no. Maybe we're scared of being sued or reprimanded. You know, it's, it's a different world we live in. Even 20 years ago, well, almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I was working at the Fort Worth Zoo. And I had a, a co-worker. I call her a young girl because I was the oldest up when I felt so. She was probably 18. She was freshly married. She had grown up Methodist. And she married a Muslim. And became a Muslim. And one day, I forgot what was going on in the paper. I read an article in the Star-Telegram. I was told the paper at the time, too about a young girl of 10 years old who had been forced to marry a man who was 50-something. And because of the laws of the, of the country she was in, she couldn't get a divorce. She couldn't get away. She was stuck there. And I simply made a comment that that's what happens when you marry religion with government. I didn't say Islam. I didn't say Christianity. I didn't say anything. I said religion. And when my performance review came up, they said I was argumentative. And I, I looked at my supervisor and I said, where did you get that? She said, well, there was that conversation. I said, huh? Well, you know, when you said that, that, that Islam was bad, I said, I never said Islam was bad. I said, when you marry religion with government, there's overreach. But I was reprimanded. And so sometimes, maybe we don't, we don't fish because we're afraid of, of reprimand. We're afraid of being sued. Maybe we're scared of not knowing what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Maybe we don't want to offend somebody. But we have to be willing to go fishing to bring people to the Lord. Just like everything else in life, if everyone expects someone else to do it, no one else is doing it. If we're all expecting someone else to get into the job, we're going to find that no one's doing the job. If no one in the church is witnessing, the church is bearing no fruit. As Christians, we cannot allow fear to keep us from witnessing to the world. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, What? For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. We have to speak out in power about Jesus. We can't fear the repercussions of the world. We have to be willing to fish. But fishing can take many forms. Even if you're going fishing, it takes many forms, right? You know, if I look and I go back to the times I spent with my dad, when we went bass fishing, it did not look like cat fishing. I've never been fly fishing, but from what I see, it doesn't look like either of the other two. If I put out trot lines, guess what? That doesn't work the same way either. And commercial fishermen throw big nets out into the water and they haul them in. Fishing looks different. The same is true for fishing for people. Fishing may look different. Fishing for some is inviting someone to church. For others, it's, 
It's sharing the gospel personally. For others, it's providing physical needs. It's taking a meal. It's giving a ride. It's making a phone call. It's doing those things. Others, it's just being a support system when someone's going through pain. Sometimes sharing the gospel, sometimes fishing, isn't simply about preaching to someone. It's about the forms it can take to live out the love of Jesus. Everyone's form of fishing will take different forms. I don't take all the same equipment catfishing as I do fly fishing. I'm going to go catfishing, I have a pole, and I have maybe some worms, maybe some chicken liver, and that's it. Because I'm going to throw it out there, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to wait. If you're a kid, that's boring. If you're a kid, that's, that's the way you learn patience, and you may never get there. But if I'm going to go fly fishing, that's active. And I'm going to have, you know, my waders, and I'm going to have my little basket, and I'm going to have my flies, and I'm going to do all that. It looks different. It all looks different. Romans 12 says, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. For some, this is my, this is the Brother Troy paraphrase, for some it's pickup and boots. For some, it's chrome and rap music. For some, it's coffee shop talk. For some, it's street corner preaching. For some, it's tattoos and motorcycles. No matter what form your fishing takes, the important thing is that you have to be willing to go fishing. But also, to be a fisher of people, you have to use the right bait. My dad had a tackle box with all these fancy spinners in it that he used for bass fishing. But he didn't use that for catfish. <laughs> because the spinner wasn't any good for a catfish. The spinner was only good for fish that liked to, to, to go that way. How frustrating is it to get your gear together, to head to the lake and throw out your line and sit there all day and catch nothing. Most fishermen will try anything that they hear is good <laughs> for bait at least once. Um, my mother. <sighs> um, my mother had a tendency to be gullible at times. And my mom and dad fished bass tournaments a lot. And uh, somebody at work one day, the Star Telegram, told her that the best thing for bait in the world was red man chewing the back. <laughs> so he told her to get out there on that water and take out a big chunk and put it in her mouth. And sit there with it for a long time. And then when she got ready to fish, she'd spit that on her lure and cast it out there. I'm 10 years old going, Mama, that don't make no sense. <laughs> the minute you throw that in the water, it's not going to smell anymore. And bass ain't looking for smell. That's catfishing. Bass are looking for the shiny thing that's moving. But she did it. She got that red man out. And she threw it on the boat with my dad. And my dad came home laughing, the biggest laugh I'd ever seen him laugh that day. And she was sicker than a dog. <laughs> but we like to, to try all the baits in the world. We want to use the right bait. We want the secret. The same is true in fishing for men. We have to use a bait that attracts what we're trying to catch. Now, many people are like my mom, and they're wanting to try out many different baits to bring in into the church. <laughs> we try bigger and better programs. 
We try changing music. We even try, I've seen some churches try using less power. Let's use less power. Because it's. There was a church that I had some dealings with at one point who their, their, their motto, their, their theme, their. We make churches that unbelievers want to go to. I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't. I can't. I can't compute that. All of those things may bring an uptick in attendance, but they aren't the right bait for bringing people to Jesus. The right bait for fishing for men are the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the bait. That's what draws people to Jesus. All the other changes and gimmicks might grab someone's attention. They may make them stop and look, but it doesn't make them grab hold. It doesn't make them become a part. People are drawn to the things that are appealing, and fruit of the Spirit is appealing. People want to be around people like that. Love, joy, peace, those first three. If I meet somebody that just has those first three, I'll be around them. Love, yes. Joy, yes. Peace, yes. Because what's the, what's the alternative? I mean, the opposite of love really isn't hate. It's apathy. Opposite of joy is depression. The opposite of peace is turmoil. I don't want to be around people like that. If Christians walk around upset or discouraged all the time, the world wants no part of the church. I don't want to be a part of that. If churches are always arguing among themselves, people may not want to come in. In order to fish for men, we have to be something that the world wants. The world doesn't want a life of discouragement. It wants a life of joy. The world doesn't want a life of conflict. It wants a life of peace. The world doesn't want frustration. It wants patience. In order to fish for men, we have to live a life worthy of the calling. Jesus told the disciples in John 13, A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The world will know us. Not by our love for Jesus, but by our love for each other. Oh. Hmm. That's how people know us. We can wear all the Christian apparel we want, but if we don't love each other, people don't know we're his. We can sing all the songs that we want, have bumper stickers. We can support our church financially. Everything hinges on love. But not love for Jesus, love for each other. If a church wants to fish for men, they have to love each other as a spiritual family should. They have to walk with the joy of the Lord. We have to... We have to be a joyful body. I think churches today have forgotten to do these things. To be fishers of men, we have to live lives that are different than what is found in the world. But to be a fisher of people, we must remember that we only catch them. God cleans them. The full title of this sermon, I guess, is I Catch Them, He Cleans Them. There's a song that says that too. The Gaithers sing it. In many churches today, people want to decide what God can use. People are sometimes judged by their appearance. They're judged by their past. We forget sometimes that 
that God wants all sinners so that he can make a change in their life. I told you before about my best friend from high school who, praise God today, he is very active in his church in Fort Worth. He's, he, he works in the children's ministry and he, he, he does lots of missions work there with, with, with the homeless ministry in Fort Worth. He's doing so many great things, but there was a time back 17, 18 years ago when he was really struggling because he was living in Mineral Wells. And he didn't have a license. He didn't have a car. He walked everywhere he went. He worked at Sonic. He lived in a house that he could afford off of a Sonic salary. And he got up one morning and he felt that God wanted him to go to church. And so he got up and he put his best clothes on. Polo shirt, a pair of jean shorts, and some nice tennis shoes. <laughs> Problem is, he has a great big tattoo of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh <laughs> right there on his calf. And he went to church. And he had a good time. And after church, one of the older men in the congregation, whom I'm assuming was a deacon, walked up to him and said, You know, Basically, you might want to come back dressed better. Or you might want to go to a different church down the road who will accept you more. It took my friend 15 years to get back to church. 15 years because someone else decided what it was that God wanted. The Bible doesn't say go to church to get saved. It says come to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's Jesus' responsibility to clean the sinners. It's His blood that washes us white as snow. It's by His name and His name alone that we're able to stand in right relationship with God. Because in Acts 4 we said, what? Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the one who cleans them. It's Jesus who lets us put away the desires of the flesh and walk in the fruit of the Spirit. It's Jesus who allows us to rid ourselves of all the things like envy and greed and malice. It's Jesus who decides who is called to follow him. It's Jesus who examines the heart of man and knows his innermost desires. I can't do it. You can't do it. The greatest preachers of all time couldn't do it. The apostles couldn't do it. Only Jesus can cleanse the soul of man. Our job as Christians, as a church, isn't to make people perfect. My job, your job, is to point people to Jesus so He can perfect them. We aren't to judge, we're to love. We're not to condemn, we're to guide. Jesus will cleanse any who come to Him. There's no doubt about that. So then, what's your fear this morning? If Jesus will cleanse anybody who comes to Him, what do you have to lose? Why would there be a spirit of timidity? Rather than our given spirit of power. As God's light in this world, we should be sharing the gospel with others. We should be inviting people to church. <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? The last data that I looked at said that 90% of people who go and become part of the church go because of an invitation by one of the members. Not because one of the staff members reached out. Because this is how people think about this. 
Pastor that Brother Troy sent me a letter and knocked on my door, but they paid him to do that. That's how I see it. He's paid to do that. He's paid to love me. Nobody else cared that I was there. If you want to be part of a ministry that really affects what this church looks like, a follow-up ministry is the ministry you need to be a part of. Because that's when people know that they're loved on. People want to know that you love them enough that you want them here. That you want them to be a part of the place that you are. We need to be those people. We need to be people who take care of the needs of the community. We need to live a life, of course, worthy of the calling. Are we fulfilling the Great Commission today? Are we doing what, what Jesus has called us to do? Are we going to be the people who are so afraid of the world that we fail to bring everyone we can into heaven's gates? I mean, this world has fallen apart. And people need a Savior. And the problem is, sometimes I think we have forgotten, we have fallen into this, this lie of the devil that people's default is heaven. That, that good people go to heaven. But there are good people who have died who were going to hell because they didn't know Jesus. We have to be serious when we know that if someone dies without Jesus, it doesn't matter how good they were. It doesn't matter how much money they gave. It doesn't matter how many great things they do. They're not going to be in heaven. And we have to take that seriously and know that if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to be in heaven. And if we take that seriously and let that sink into us, we wouldn't let anybody go. We would tell everybody. Because what's, what's the alternative? My, I know they say there are no tears in heaven. I still think there's, I still think I'm going to cry one last time. Because I think I'm going to get there. And I'm going to stand before God. And Jesus is going to say, Daddy, he's one of mine. And he's going to wipe away all those sins. I still think God's going to look. And he's going to have this great big 97-inch 4K TV. And he's going to show me a picture. And he's going to say, Troy, why didn't you tell her? Why didn't you tell him? Why did you let that opportunity slip out? Why didn't, you, why didn't you seize it? Why didn't you share with them the greatest gift that you ever had? Why? As a church, we need to walk from these doors with boldness and a desire to bring this community to God. Because the truth is, there are a lot of people in this community who aren't going anywhere on Sunday morning. We have... We have fallen into this pattern of thinking that, well, they go here. Well, they go there. But I have learned in 20 years in ministry that some people tell me they're going somewhere just so I'll shut up. I had a, had a lady who I'd say, I'd love to see you on Sunday. I'm sure you know my family's Methodist. I know they are. You ain't. <laughs> you ain't been to the Methodist church in 14 years. You ain't Methodist anymore. 
But I don't, what, what would they say? I don't care what they would say. Let me deal with what they would say. You get somewhere. If you don't want to come to my church, go be with your family in their church. Just get to church. We have to know that, that people are, are, are who they say they are and that people are actually having a relationship with Jesus because if they're not, we're just allowing souls to go to hell. That blows my mind. That blows my mind that, that I can even think that and just kind of go, huh, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? Jesus said, get out there and pound the pavement, beat on the doors and tell them about him. Let's open our doors to sinners in this world and allow God to clean them. I, I don't care what your personal sin is. I don't care. I don't care how far down you are. I don't care how badly you're chained to something. If you want to walk in this room and worship with us, walk in this room and worship with us. Walk in. Because I'm not going to judge you because I'm, my, my life is no better than anybody else's. It's not my job to clean anybody. It's not your job to clean anybody. It's God's job to clean It's our job to love all. That's hard to do sometimes. Because we've been trained. Um, we've been trained that uh, well they're just doing things they shouldn't do so maybe, maybe they shouldn't really be a part of that I learned more about what it meant to follow Jesus by doing missions than I did by anything I learned in school or at church Because when I when I surrendered when I surrendered my life to Jesus, I, I'm still doing things I shouldn't do. But it wasn't until I stepped out there and started serving that I began to realize what God would do in my life and how God would change my life. So we can't tell people, "Nope, you're just too far gone to me." No, this is the place for those who are too far gone. This is the place to come and find rest and find love and find support because God will change you. God will begin working upon your heart and He will make the difference. All, all we have to do is love on them. All we have to do is love on them. So when you look at somebody out in our community and you go, well, I don't know if they're the church type, they are. Just about. That's, that's where I'm at. They are. I don't care what they look like. They don't look like me, so... See, let me tell y'all a story. I'm good at stories. When I was in the church a few years back, I'm fixing to tell some things. Um, we were on a Wednesday, we had a Wednesday night service, and we were sitting around the table. And I forgot what we were studying. But suddenly, out of nowhere, one of my deacons said, Brother Troy, he went on this 30 minute tirade about, tirade about tattoos. And when he finished, he said, Why would anybody do that, Brother Troy? I said, Cotton, God rest him. Cotton, I'm probably not the right person to ask. I got three. <laughs> I don't show them. I don't walk around. And most of you probably didn't know that. Now you're going, man, we got five minutes. <laughs> 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 but, 
I mean, you know, I don't show them off because that's just not who I am. But they're there. And more than once, they have opened the door for ministry to me like nothing else. Because somebody looks at me and goes, what is that? I have one right here. And it's a heart. With a, what is, what's the thing? I don't remember what it looks like anymore. I got it 25 years ago. Huh? It says shame on me. I know that. I was really mad at God. And I was just coming back. And I got that. And somebody's been saying, somebody's, why don't you cover it up? Why don't you get it removed? And I said, absolutely not. And they said, why? I said, because that reminds me of where I came from. That reminds me of my story and where I've been. And when somebody asks me about that, I can tell them that story. And I can tell them where I was and where God has brought me to. And we can walk through that together. Because we live in a different world. And, you know, we would never know that. And so, Carrie's often looks at me and she doesn't know why. People talk to me all the time. Out of nowhere, nowhere. I mean, I can... Okay, Virginia. In You've been to Washington, D.C.? In Washington, D.C., they got the metro, right? right? And we walked. I was walking. I don't know why. We were walking. It was, we walked to the very back. We had to walk into the street to the very back to go to the escalator to go down. We were halfway down the escalator when a guy on the street says, Hey! Hey, you! And he runs down to talk to me and rides the train with me for 10 minutes. I don't know why. But we got to talk. And I got to tell him who I was. Talk a little bit about Jesus here and there. God opens those doors. And it wouldn't open the door if I would have walked around with a suit and tie. Just because they look different than you doesn't mean that God doesn't want them here. I firmly believe. I know I'm going over. <laughs> I firmly believe that God wants to change the look of our church. Now, I don't mean the physical building. I mean, He wants to change what we look like as in our makeup, who we are. Because the truth of the matter is, most of the people around us don't look like us anymore. They live different lives. They're coming from different places. And we've got to be willing to love on them and find that common ground. And you may say, I don't know anything about them. You know what you know? They're created in the image of God. Amen. That's what you know. That's all you need to know. doesn't matter if they have long hair or short hair. I know 50 years ago that was a big deal. As a matter of fact, have a beard if they're clean shaven. I know. That used to be a big deal, too. Gary used to get frustrated at me because I wouldn't wear a beard, right? Why wouldn't I wear a beard? Because how churches would look at me. That's what it was. So when we came here, I wouldn't come here anyway. I came here being called not coming, so I was like, I'm good. They either take me as I am or they don't take me at all. Because that's who we are supposed to be. Jesus takes us where we are. We're supposed to take people where they are and love them and let God change all the rest. Maybe this morning. You've been fishing with the wrong bait. Maybe you've been trying all that you can do to, to attract people when all you really need to do is love them. 
when all you really need to do is invite them and say, come and be a part. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap this up. Really, I am. Um, we do a good job of saying hi when visitors show up. But, riding on Matt's coattails last week, are you willing to change your seat on Sunday morning to sit with a visitor? Because oh. when visitors show up, they sit back there. And I don't want to say to the visitor, come and sit where I'm sitting. Are you willing to sit with the visitors? Are you willing to say, let me be with you? Can you imagine what that would do with somebody? It will blow their mind. You're going to sit with me? You don't hear me. Maybe this morning, you've been worried about cleaning the people before catching them. You, you've been so concerned of the task of cleaning that you'd rather just not catch. Well, you know, if I get them to come to church, then they've got to change all this stuff. Why? Let God change it. Don't worry about changing on yourself. Don't worry about what has to change. God will change it. And, and you know, I'm, I'm never going to be one to pull punches, but I'm also never going to be one to, to sit there and say, well, I know what your sin is. So I'm going to do that either. God will take care of it. But maybe today you've never, you haven't been fishing. <laughs> maybe you quit fishing. Maybe you've just been like, eh, no, not anymore. It's time to step up and fish. Maybe you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to, to join this church membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe I'm up here talking about being caught and being clean. And you're going, what does that mean? All I know is that there's a God talking about Jesus you talked about. He said he died for me. And I can be saved. And I want to know it. Walk the aisle. And just for the trial, I know Jesus. So we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Pray with me. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.